my pleasure to, to welcome here today. Uh, Pastor Jeremy is not here, in case I didn't mention that before. Pastor Jeremy is not here today, but we do have a special treat today. Um, uh, Wally Rose is here, and, and he is a good friend of mine for the last several years, and I have admired his ministry. Um, and more, more recently, he has become the, the director for Forgotten Man Ministries, both in Lapeer and St. Clair counties, and he is going to bring the word to us. So, Brother Wally, at this time. Thank you. Well, good morning, Calvary. It is literally my distinct privilege uh, to be here. Let me first, I know that he's not here, but thank Pastor Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy and I, as well as Tina, went to college together a few years ago. Uh, I think I'm a little bit older than them. Uh, we attended the same church, um, Calvary Baptist Church of Jefferson, Wisconsin. And I'll never forget this, and I don't know if I shared it with your dad, um, but he preached one night at Calvary Baptist, and he gave an illustration about a baby's car seat, as I see that baby's car seat right there, being left on top of a car. And um, I, I literally don't remember the message, but I remember that illustration. I've not shared that with him, um, but just the oddest things that stick in your minds. I want to let you know that he has texted me this morning. We have communicated back and forth. Uh, he wanted me to send his love and his regards. He wants you to know uh, that he is praying for you. You know, I've had several jobs in my life. The Lord didn't put me right into ministry. I was um, a parts guy at a John Deere dealership for years and years, and then I sold skid steer loaders, and, and the Lord, through the course of time, placed me uh, into ministry, and, and I've been in the pastorate for about the last 18 years, and for the last 10 weeks, I've been a chaplain, and I've gone on, cha I've gone on vacation as a chaplain, I've gone on vacation as a parts guy. I've gotten away as a salesman, and I've also been privileged to get away as a pastor. And I will tell you this, that nothing is like going away being a pastor. It is so, it's needed. It's, it's a wonderful thing, and I was so blessed to be able to do that. And so please pray for your pastor and his wife. Um, is they is they are away. Don't begrudge them that opportunity. Um, it is a it is a wonderful thing to be able to get away. But he still misses you all, and he wanted me to pass that along, and so I do that. The songs that we sang this morning were not lost on me. Are you not thankful, especially on Father's Day, that we get to call or we are bid by a holy God to call him Father? Think about that. We have a great and gracious. Heavenly Father. It was brought to my attention, oh, about in the last year or two, that Jesus always calls God Father in the Gospels, except for when he is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I had to read a, a very good book by C.I. Uh, Packer called Knowing God. And in it, he wanted or he was stressing the fact that when you have been adopted into God's family, when you have believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior, that God is your Father. And he was reminding us through that book, it took him 320 pages, it won't take me that long this morning, I promise you, to remind us that God is our Heavenly Father and he bids us to call him such. And so fathers... Um, uh, happy Father's Day. That's about the extent of my Father's Day message, but happy Father's Day. Um, I hope you guys get to enjoy your day 
as well. I said this in the morning uh, at the 9 o'clock hour, but I wanted to thank those who greeted me when I came in this morning. Um, I could not walk through here without six or seven or eight people shaking my hand. Um, that's not always my experience when I have the privilege to be in churches, and um, uh, especially the very friendly sound booth that we have, and I'm appreciative of that. It makes an impact. You get to, uh, to feel welcome is a wonderful thing in church. All right, I would like to turn our attention to Scripture this morning. Listen, uh, if you would, please, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're going to look at um, a couple of text verses, and then we'll look at some other uh, verses by way of subpoints this morning. It is my goal that as we look into the Word of God, that God speaks to each one of us individually, that we hear and are challenged, are encouraged, uh, maybe even um, chided or corrected from God this morning from His Word. We have met to worship and meet with God. Is that true? All right. We are going to open the Word of God and we are going to ask God to speak this morning. Let's turn to Him and look to Him in prayer and then we'll look at His Word. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for this opportunity. I thank you that my friend asked me to fill the pulpit in his absence today. I pray for Jeremy and Tina that you would be with them, that you would refresh them, that um, it would just be a, a wonderful time of them being together. Father, I, I don't even know what they're doing, and so I, I might be asking amiss a little bit, but you know what's going on, and so um, just refresh them. I thank you for the ministry that you've given them and for their friendship to me and my wife over the years. Lord, I pray for this time that you would be glorified, that your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be lifted up. Father, that we as Christians would receive the Bible as it truly is, the word of God, that we would believe with our heart of hearts that it is living, that it is a book that is alive, and it, it meets the needs that are represented in this room today. Father, you speak from your word, and so we come for the next several minutes to hear from you. Father, I pray that when this time is over, we will be able to say it has been good to be in church because God has spoken to me, because God was glorified, because Jesus was lifted up. Father, I don't know the audience. I suspect on Father's Day that most everybody in here would, would, would claim or say that they're a believer. And Lord, I rejoice in that if that's the fact. But if somebody here this morning doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't know you as their Heavenly Father. I pray that you would take the Word of God, however delivered today, and that you would use it in their life to turn them and point them to Jesus. Father, for those of us who have been wonderfully adopted into your family based on your grace and because of your great mercy, I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would grow just a little bit in Christ's likeness from being here together under the teaching of the word of God. Father, thank you. You are good. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to read, if I could initially, before we turn to scripture, from an excerpt of a book. This book is called An Infinite Journey. And I've, I've had to take several spiritual formation classes um, uh, in seminary. And so there's different books that I have to read. And this one book, I, I really didn't enjoy the book. It, it had ups and downs, and it kind of lost my attention a little bit in, in certain areas. But uh, the premise of the book was, was amazing. And I really enjoyed it. The author's name is Andrew Davis. I'm not 
that familiar with him. But again, the book is entitled An Infinite Journey. And the idea of this book is this, is when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we become uh, Christians and we are now adopted into the family, we are on a journey. And the amazing part of that is God puts us inside of his church, the family. God puts us inside of a, a local church. God puts us inside of, of, of the grand church that's uh, ministering and bringing glory to his name all over the world. And we minister inside of that. And the point of this book is, is there's growth that goes on in the individual believer. And there's also growth that goes on in churches. But there are two primary ways that the church or churches bring God glory. Now, God can use a donkey to bring him glory. God can use us in many ways to bring him glory. But I want to point out the two primary ways and then unpack that from the book of Philippians, if you'll allow this morning. Please listen just to the introduction. And and again, this is taken from an infinite journey. God has set before the church of Jesus Christ two infinite journeys. I don't really want to press the point infinite this morning, but I do want to let you know that we are involved in two primary journeys, and we'll define that in a minute. These two journeys have one destination, one ultimate goal, and in the end will prove to have been one, of the, one and the same journey after all. Before the foundation of the world, God ordained these two journeys for his glory and for the joy of his people. He ordained that the church would make them and that the church would finish them. Both journeys require immense human effort and untold suffering in order to be accomplished. If you are a Christian today, these journeys are your central work, your central means of bringing glory to God. And what are these journeys? Number one, the external, the outward journey of the worldwide advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. Of course, the church is commissioned with letting people know that Jesus Christ saves. Of course, the church is commissioned as the sending ground of the gospel message to the nations. And and as the Lord has turned my ministry path a little bit here recently from the pastorate to jail chaplaincy, this has been driven home to me more and more. We have wonderful opportunities to preach Jesus Christ and to see his kingdom advanced even in 2021. The second is this, it's the internal journey of an individual Christian from being dead in sin to gloriously perfect in Christ. So two different journeys, one an external where the church of Jesus Christ delivers the gospel message to any and all who will listen. And God by his spirit draws and and, and points and lifts Jesus up and men and women are drawn uh, to him. And then the second is the internal journey of becoming more like Christ. God didn't just save us so that we wouldn't go to hell and someday we would go to heaven. God literally saved us to enjoy a relationship with him now. And so these two journeys we walk on, he goes on to say the essential idea of a journey is progress, advancing gradually to a desired destination. The external journey of the worldwide advance of the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth through the ministry of the gospel is a gradual process requiring great great effort, labor, and suffering. The internal journey of individual personal salvation from justification through sanctification into glorification is also a gradual process requiring great effort, 
labor, and suffering. One of the things that I'm learning as I get older is this, this connection between the Holy Spirit in us does all the heavy lifting, but God expects us to do our part. None of us saves ourselves, and, and in truth, none of us sanctifies ourselves, but there are things that God wants each and every one of us as the children of God to do. Let me ask you this. Do you think that God wants us to read the Word of God for ourselves? Oh, a little more participation, Calvary. Don't leave me hanging up here, all right? Let's try that one more time. Do you think that God wants us to read the Word of God for ourselves? Oh, you are a quick-learning crowd. Thank you. Uh, Of course he does. Why? Because God's given each one of us the Holy Spirit. I hope Pastor Jeremy doesn't mind me saying this, but you don't need me or him or any other man or woman um, to dissect all of the Word of God for you. You have the Holy Spirit. Now, in saying that, that doesn't mean you don't come to Sunday morning worship and listen to what God has given him uh, for the week and what to deliver. That's vitally important. But the the fact of the matter is, of course, God wants us to do that and grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Do you think that God wants to hear from his children in prayer? Absolutely, he does. And each one of us has the privilege and the responsibility to do that. But do you know what I've learned? I'm almost 50. I'm just spoiler alert right there, okay? Uh, This year, I'm going to turn 50. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to that because I'm hoping AARP comes and I get get a lot of discounts. Um, But the way I've been feeling recently, I'm not looking forward to it that much. But um, God expects us to do some of these things. But what I'm learning is those things that should be simple in the Christian life I don't always feel like doing. Can you believe that I'm standing behind the pulpit and admitting that to you today? There are times when I go to prayer and I almost don't end up praying. It's like every other thing pops into my mind. There are times that I know I need to read the word of God, but I don't, I don't discipline myself to always go to it um, as I think the Lord would have me do. And so that's why it's this infinite advance in progress. And sometimes uh, there's a little bit of slippage or not advancing like maybe God would have me. And then there's this advance. But the two primary journeys that God has us on as a church, number one, I want to break these two things down from the book of Philippians. But let's look at chapter one, verse 12. And the first, again, is the external journey um, of the gospel, the external journey of the gospel. Look at verse 12, if you would. He says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, you probably know this. Philippians is one of our favorite books to preach from, that if we were to read Philippians chapter 16, that Paul was erroneously thrown in jail. He was thrown in jail wrongly for um, exercising a demon out of a girl who was, who was telling people their futures or telling people different things. And these men who owned her for the purpose of making money were now losing their livelihood. And they had Paul thrown into jail. And you know the story. Paul and Silas were praising God. Um, They were worshiping him. Um, They were singing at midnight. And um, that made an impact on those in jail. But Paul writes this letter um, in, in, uh, in Philippians to the church at Philippi. And he says this, you know that what has happened to me has advanced the gospel um, of Jesus Christ. Now, what kind of perspective do you think it takes to be in jail and recognize that God's hand is in that? I shared with the group this morning that as I was driving here today, my wife and I live in Hadley, and I just had to come down Pratt Road to where it tees to 24 and then turn north on 24. Um, and I did that, and I began to accelerate, and I was continuing to accelerate. 
And as I crested the first little hill there on M24 heading north towards Calvary Bible Church, there was a sheriff's deputy sitting in his car. I wasn't speeding. Uh, My car couldn't go fast enough in the time allotted me, and so I wasn't able to be speeding. But as I passed the sheriff's deputy's car, this is what went through my mind. That dirty dog. He's got nothing better to do than on a Sunday morning when all of us good church people are going to church. He's got nothing better to do than to sit at the side of the road and wait to give me an honest text, paying, abiding citizen. That's what he's waiting to do. And this is where uh, the, the journey of growing in Christ comes in immediately. Immediately. And I praise God for this. He said, Wally, I've ordained authority. Wally, don't you think you should pray for that officer? My first response was, no, I don't want to pray for that officer. That was my response. Wally, don't you think you should pray for that? And then he began to remind me, you're a jail chaplain now. You rub shoulders with sheriff's deputies every single day. Do you appreciate them? Well, of course I do. Those are some of the, that, that is the, one of the hardest working environments I've ever experienced in my life. And it's caused me not only to be concerned for jail inmates, literally, but to be concerned for deputies, whether they're road people or whether they're in the jail, because they deal with just problem children every day of their lives. And so, you know what I did? To God's praise and God's glory, I, I relented and I said, you're right. I need to pray. I need to pray for them. And just so that I want to understand and get the lesson, two hills later, because you know there's several hills on 24 heading north, there was a state trooper parked. <laughs> and would you believe my first response and my first reaction was, that dirty dog. And then immediately the Spirit of God, again, Wally, you need to be thankful for authority and pray um, for them. And I share that story because of this reason. Paul recognized that while he was in jail, wrongly accused, that it served a purpose. And in this case, it served the purpose of the furtherance of the gospel. I recoil at things that happen to me that I don't like. I will complain about them out loud. You just have to ask my family. I'm not proud of that, but that's what I've done. Um, I do not like when things do not go my way. Do you think that Paul signed up to be in jail wrongfully accused? He probably didn't, but I will share this with you. He knew that God was sovereign, and he knew that God had a purpose in that stinking situation, and that was for the furtherance of the gospel, and that is how Paul proceeded forward. Let me ask you this this morning, um, just real quick. What situation do you find yourself in that you might not be happy with, that God might want to use to further the message of Jesus Christ in the gospel this morning? You know what? We're just people. We mess up. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Yes, we've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, but we still experience the same bad attitude sometimes and the same uh, remorse and the same, you know, just just complaining and all of those things. And we need to be taken back and taken back and taken back. Wally, you need to pray for those in authority. Wally, you need to be appreciative of those that are protecting you. And we need to be brought back and realize that God has a plan in this even if it's not what we originally had hoped for or designed. And Paul was writing to the Philippians saying, look, yes, I'm in jail, but there's a reason that God has me here and the gospel is being preached. Okay, so the, the external journey of gospel advance. Number one, Paul's arrest and chains have actually helped the spread of the gospel. Look at verse 13. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now Paul, uh, he builds on verse 12 where it's for the furtherance of the gospel. He says, look, I'm in jail and the whole imperial guard knows who Jesus Christ is because I'm in jail. This situation that I wouldn't wish on myself, this situation that I probably wouldn't wish on my enemy is for the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul says that. I want to let you know a little bit about the imperial guard. They were elite soldiers. They were among the finest in the entire Roman Empire. In most cases, they were the toughest, the most loyal, and the most dedicated men the emperor had. Paul was chained to some of them, and it affected them. Church history teaches us that in the century after Paul, rather a generation after Paul, that the gospel had already reached Britain. Now, you and I know that, that when Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature, start in Jerusalem and take it all the way to the, the ends of the earth, the uttermost parts of the earth, you know that Christians were taking the message of the gospel. But I also submit to you this morning that as a result of some of those imperial guardsmen being chained to the apostle Paul, when they left the jail um, jobs that they had, the post that they had, and they were, they were positioned other places and other parts of the Roman Empire as far as Britain, or when they retired out of there, I submit to you that, that as Paul adds this in this scripture, that God was using some of those guardsmen that had believed on Jesus Christ because of the testimony of Paul for the spread of the gospel. We have an external journey, and it is this. We are to tell others about Jesus Christ. Let me just share with you a little bit about the jail ministry. It's, it's been a complete eye-opener to me. I was in our Lapeer County Jail a week or two ago, and I was in C-Pod. There's, there's A through E-Pod for the men, and there's one pod for the women. And then up front in intake, there's several um, quarantine uh, cells where uh, people are quarantined, and they still have to wait for 10 days before they can go into the general population. But I was in C-Pod on this day, and I had five, and I actually think it was six, but I'm going to say five or six men sitting at my table. And all of these guys I knew to be believers. And we were in a conversation because there's another fella in the jail who, who's Muslim. We only have about 40 men right now um, in our jail. We're on the uptick right now because they're allowing more in. Um, but we have about 40 men in the jail. And this fellow is Muslim. And he, he's, a, he's a fine man. As a matter of fact, I can go into his pod and talk about Jesus all day long. And he will sit right there. Now, what I've come to learn is his Jesus is not our Jesus. He's okay with the prophet Jesus. He's okay with the good teacher Jesus. He's okay um, with praying in Jesus' name. But he doesn't believe that Jesus is deity. He doesn't believe that Jesus is God. He really struggles with the crucifixion and with um, the resurrection. And so I was talking to the men, and I actually went home and talked to my wife about it and began a personal Bible study about the deity of Jesus and about the fact that he accepted worship and about the fact that, that he was okay with people um, um, giving him the names of God the Father. And, and they were going to stone him because he said, I and the Father are one. And they knew that that, 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 that meant he was equal with God. And, and uh, I was just taken aback as I was in the county jail all the freedom I had to talk about Jesus. Not only that, that I literally had been invited by our sheriff and the jail administrator to come in, and, excuse me, and to speak to people about Jesus Christ. It occurred to me that we don't, in jail I have more freedom 
or at least more liberty in my own spirit sometimes than I do outside of the jail. And I was very appreciative of that thought and very thankful um, for the thought that we live in a place where we can still preach Christ and do it openly. Paul was doing that as he was in jail, and it was affecting even the elite guardsmen, and the gospel had spread. The rest of the church saw how courageous and joyful Paul had been um, while he was suffering for Christ, and they were now emboldened to share the gospel fearlessly. Look at verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul was in jail. Paul was, was faithfully speaking of Christ and giving that, and guardsmen were being saved. And those on the outside, brothers and sisters in Christ, were receiving that, were hearing about that, and now they were emboldened to share the gospel. Let me share this with you. I have less fear and trepidation going into the jail and speaking to those men about Jesus Christ than sometimes I do a cashier at Myers. Or sometimes I do the lady who takes my gas money at Myers. Or, or sometimes it's just easier to go in and do that. I don't want that to kill you. I don't want that to stunt your growth in Christ. I don't want that to prohibit you or stop you from, um, from continuing to be faithful to talk to others about Christ. Recognize that, that we're frail and we all want to be liked by people. But also recognize that the glory of God is far greater than what people think about us. And these fellow believers were encouraged by what Paul was doing. And in turn, it caused them to preach the gospel. Look at chapter 2, verse 12, if you would. He says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, uh, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul was in jail. Paul was wrongfully accused. Paul was chained up to an to a imperial guard. And Paul, just a, a chapter later in this letter, writes to everybody, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Do all things without complaining and arguing. Do you think that he lived that in jail? I think that he probably did, although I think he was a man, and I think he still had to ask God for forgiveness for sin in his life. I think Paul lived his message. What happens when you and I as believers, as the followers of Jesus Christ, murmur and complain and unsaved people see that? What happens? Let me ask you this. Does it advance the kingdom of Christ? No. It's never beautiful when you and I sit and bellyache and complain and talk about this person being that or that person being this or why didn't I have my rights? I'm not telling you to stop being American, but I'm telling you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important thing in our lives. The glory of God is the most important thing in our lives. And Jesus, or rather Paul, was in prison and I suspect he was doing it even though he was there wrongfully without murmuring and complaining. Am I the only one in this room this morning that struggles with murmuring and complaining? I shared with you at the beginning, I'm about to turn 50. You know what that's taught me? Some of you that are older than me will laugh at this. But you know what that's taught me? Getting older is not for wimps. When I wake up and my left heel hurts every day inexplicably, my right knee hurts 
I wake up with a headache. I don't even know how that's possible. But, but I've, w- I've woken up with headaches. And my default is, Father, I'm serving you. I don't always say it out loud, but I probably think it inside. Can't you just make me feel good today? Can't this just go away today? Father, I want to, not that I'm going to run, but, you know, maybe I want to go run, and, and, and I can't do it with a bad heel. That's a really good excuse, by the way. Um, but we're given to murmuring and complaining. Oh, my goodness. Why is there a policeman sitting at the side of the road Sunday morning early? It's just us folks driving to church. Why would, why would they think that's a good time to do that? And the fact of the matter is, the Word of God in verses 12 through 16 in a very specific um, passage of Scripture that's talking about salvation says, do all things without murmuring or complaining. Why? Because when believers, when the children of God murmur and complain, it hinders the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Scripture tells us. And so on this journey, this this external journey and this internal journey that we're on as the church, as believers, we have to recognize that the word of God is authoritative and it speaks to us. And so many times we as believers, we read the word and we set it back down and we go on our merry way and we don't come under the authority of the word of God. But here we've just read that the Bible says, do all things without murmuring and complaining that the circumstances of our lives is for the furtherance of the gospel, that our lives influence other people. And it can encourage them to live lives for Jesus Christ. We all have this responsibility and we all have this, this privilege. It's written in scripture to us. But we can read that, set the word of God down, and walk away as though it's okay to murmur and complain. As though it's okay um, not to take the gospel to places where we might be the only ones to do it. It's okay to skirt our responsibility on this journey. And the word of God teaches very specifically, it is not. Luke verse, uh, chapter 24, verses 46 through 47 say this. This is Jesus speaking. And said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's our responsibility. We are to take the gospel to the world. We are to do it recognizing that God is sovereign, that he has a plan. We have to recognize that the very mundane things in our lives can be hindrances to the gospel message in other people's lives or can point people to Jesus and his power in our lives as we yield ourselves to him and we don't do things as simply as murmuring and complaining. Let's turn for a moment and look at the internal journey now that we're on, and that is the internal journey of sanctification. Look at verse 25 if you would. Verse 25, the Bible says this, I am convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. That word progress in verse 25 is the same Greek word as advance in verse 12. It's prokope. And uh, that word means to, to, to advance, to continue, to go on. And Paul says uh, this to them Again, that, uh, that this is continuing for you, or this is continuing to me for your progress and your joy in the faith. Let me pause and ask this morning. Whether you've been saved for 50 years, whether you've been saved for five months, are you progressing? Are you growing? Are you becoming more like Jesus Christ? 
In some areas of my life, yes. In some areas of my life, not so much. But um, that we are more and more like Christ. That's what sanctification is. And I want to point out a few things from the book of Philippians in regards to growing in this way. Number one, Paul's concern for the individual Christian, Philippian Christian, once they have trusted Christ, we've read that, verse 25, was progress and joy in the faith. Number two, he is concerned that they become fully mature in Christ. Look at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He is concerned that they become fully mature in Christ. God's design for us on this infinite journey that we are on, that we will grow a little bit each day, that we will grow a little bit each year. And by that, I don't mean that you've memorized necessarily more Bible verses or you have the most Awana awards or, or things of that nature, not that those things are bad. Uh, but what it means is those of us that are given to temper, we're a little less hot-tempered than we were a week ago or a year ago. Those of us who are given to gossip, we're not as apt to talk about people in our lives. Those of us who are unthankful, uh, we're a little less unthankful and we're a little more thankful than we used to be just a, a little bit ago. Paul is concerned that these people in Philippi, that they are advancing and they are growing and they become fully mature in Christ. That's part of the reason that church is so important. I know that church isn't as popular today as it was in the 70s when I was uh, a child and growing up and being taken every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I, under, I understand that. Um, but, uh, but the church is no less important today. I would submit it's even more important. It's a place where we come together and we hear the word of God taught and, and we fellowship with one another. But it's also a place where we can come and we can actually talk about life. Church didn't do that very good when I was a kid. We all came and we put on our Sunday best and we smiled and we acted like everything was okay and then we walked out the door. Like people didn't have problems. Like because I trusted in Jesus Christ, I didn't get a speeding ticket. Or because I trusted in Jesus Christ, my, my pump didn't go out, or my well didn't go out. Or because I trusted in Jesus Christ, my, my truck never rust, or things of that nature. And we, we came and we never talked about any, any area of life. We never put our arms around one another. And we would say nice things and platitudes, but we didn't talk about the nitty gritty and what people were dealing with. And, and church has, has kind of grown a little bit in that aspect. And we have more opportunity and privilege to do that today and it is important in the lives of believers to include other believers in their journey and in their walk. That is part of the way that we become mature. It's a spiritual discipline just to get up on a Sunday morning, get your family ready or get yourself ready and come to church. And it's an important one that God expects from his children. But it is a way that we grow um, mature in Christ. There's a, another one here. Number three, responding to persecution with his same joyful attitude. Look at verse 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation in that from God. Responding to persecution with joy. How do we do that? I can't. I can't. I, I do not have that in me. I need God through his spirit in me to produce joy that when I'm in a bad situation, I can be joyful. We need that. 
That, that, that's how it works. And Paul is saying, this is what I want to see from you. Look at my example. Even though I'm wrongfully accused and in prison, I am joyfully serving this time. Why? Because my perspective is, is the gospel is going to be preached and that you will be encouraged. But here's the idea, Philippian brothers and sisters. I want you to experience the same walk, be fully mature in Christ, and be joyful in the bad circumstances of life. I have lived long enough and, and am old enough now to actually be able to, I don't always do this, don't think that, but to be actually able to thank God for the circumstances in my life that I would never chosen for myself. Whereas when I was a younger believer, I complained to God if I was talking to him at all about the situation. I would be like, why? Would, why? We tithe. We serve. We get to church early and we stay late and all these different things. And God, why would this happen to us? I just don't get it. That happened. Bless you. That happened. But now through perspective and through being able to walk with Christ and because of God's influence um, in our lives, God has opened my eyes, pulled back the curtain a little bit to allow me to see the fact that so many times he ordains these situations in my life so that I lean into him once again, so that I recognize that he is God and I am not, so that I live in, in I want to separate these. Independence, not independent like 4th of July Day, the opposite. Dependent on him as opposed to independent like I'm used to living my life. God wants me to lean into him so that my reactions and my actions come from him so that he can receive glory and other people will believe on Jesus Christ and fellow believers uh, will be encouraged and take strength and do the same. That's what he's writing to these Philippian believers. And by way of application, that's that's what we can take from this today. We literally can live extraordinary lives on this infinite journey as we give ourselves over to God working in our lives. Number four is putting others' needs ahead of their own uh, with the servant heart of Jesus. Look at chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Again, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Putting others' needs ahead of our own um, with the servant heart of Jesus. How hard is that in today's day and age? Good gracious, we live in a society where we want our needs met. You recognize that that has creeped into the church, right? We want our needs met. Some people want pews. Other people want chairs. Some people want blue paint. Other people want white paint. Some people want hymns. Other people want worship music. Some people want the ESV. Other people want the NKJV. Some people want skirts. Other people want pants. Some people just want modesty. We have all these different things we want, we want, we want. And if I don't get what I want, somebody's going to hear about it. That's how we live our... Let's not fake it, okay? I see a lot of smiles, so I know it's landing a little bit. Um, that's, that's how we are. That's how our spirits are. And, and we have to catch that and check that. We have to confess that is sin to God. Why? Because when we do that, we literally hinder the gospel message going forward. We literally stand in opposition of what God has called us to and what he's trying to change us into. The hour is late. I have three more points. I'm going to pray that your pastor invites me back someday and I'll share those. We are on an infinite journey. 
The church is important. There's this external journey to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to know that our fellowship with God influences our ability to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. That's important for us to recognize. Number two, there's this infinite internal journey. Whereas by his great grace, God is transforming us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Let me just ask this question. Do people see more of Jesus in you today than they did in 2020? If not, confess that to God and ask him to help you to grow in this regard. But we're all advancing, or we should be, and it's by the grace of God that we get to do it. Do we have a good heavenly father? Amen. Let's pray. Father, As much as I tripped and stumbled, I tried to deliver what I think you wanted me to this morning, once again, incompletely. But Father, it's your word. It never returns void. And I pray that you would use this to encourage us, to challenge us in whatever way or whatever needs are represented in this place today. Thank you for the privilege uh, to be here to open the word of God. Uh, it's an amazing thought to think that I, I get to do that. Father, you are good. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us to be bold, but help us not to have to conjure up boldness. Help us to be bold as we walk with you and as we trust you, as we live by faith. And may that encourage us to walk with others. Thank you for the examples that you've given us in the word of God. May we heed these examples. May we be obedient to what the word of God says. And Father, today that is, that is walking in an external fashion, giving the gospel to others but it's also walking in an internal fashion, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and becoming more and more like him. Father, form us to be like Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name.